Friends, it's me, Waldo. Good to have you back on another edition of the Regulators Podcast. This is actually a very special episode. I feel uh, I feel unprepared. I was actually not aware until five minutes before coming on here, but this is actually our one-year anniversary show. Um, tomorrow marks one year from our very first episode. I can't believe that it's been a year. We've come a long way. Uh, we're now being downloaded in 23 countries and counting 4,000 plus uh, followers on Twitter. And uh, we're growing every day. And I, I can't believe a year has, has come and gone. And I just want to say thank you to all of you out there who continue to support us, continue to uh, leave us great reviews, and obviously share the podcast with friends. I, I can't put into words how much it means to me, and uh, I do feel caught off guard because I feel like, you know, we should be doing something really special for for one year in, Uh, so I'm not going to count this as the official one-year episode just because technically the episode is out today, our one year is tomorrow, so maybe we'll celebrate it next week. I don't know. But having said that, let's get into it, shall we? Since the last time we spoke, the Jets and the Panthers made a huge trade. Um, You know, a lot of people might not think that it's a a big blockbuster, but it really is in a lot of ways, as it has a lot of domino effects around the NFL. So I kind of wanted to talk about it, and, and we'll just start with the trade itself. So the New York Jets traded Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers for a second round pick, a fourth round pick, and a sixth round pick. Now, when I saw this, I, I just, I I went through the roof because I feel like on the surface, the Panthers got fleeced in this deal. Now we know that the Jets hold the number two overall pick in the draft. And the general consensus is that they're going to take a quarterback and it will probably be Zach Wilson. Having said that, there was talk of what can the Jets get for Darnold. So it's not like it was a complete surprise that they moved Darnold himself. The surprise is that you're getting a second, a fourth, and a sixth round pick for that player. When you see certain other players uh, who were acquired for a song and a dance. Now, obviously, you can break down the different scenarios. You can look at the fact that Sam Darnold is only 23, and the Jets have to believe, or I'm sorry, the Carolina Panthers have to believe, and Matt Rule um, and uh, Scott Fitterer have to believe that Sam Darnold was a product of his environment and that there was institutional failures at every single level in New York and that Sam Darnold can be a franchise quarterback. Now, When this first happened, I was a little bit in shock, and so, naturally, I took to Twitter. 
and I wanted to delve into Panthers Twitter and Jets Twitter to see what their fans were actually saying because I wanted to know how they felt about the deal. Most of the Jets fans that I saw were positive. They were like, okay, we got a really good return for Sam Darnold and he was not going to be the future for us anyway, so it seems like a smart move. I did see some people who were like, oh, that's all we got for Sam Darnold. That's all you got. That's all you got for a guy that hasn't proven he's the franchise guy for sure, and the Panthers are taking a risk. I I think they were pretty much the only bidder as well. Not that there might not have been others down the road, but Panthers were just competing with themselves from what we're hearing. So, But overall, mostly positive from the Jets. On the Carolina Panthers side of Twitter, it's a little bit of a different story. So I saw a lot of mixed emotions and mixed things from Carolina Panthers fans. A lot of them saying, hey, this guy's young. He had a really crappy situation in New York, and that's not fair to him, and he's going to get a shot. It's a valid point. I, I understand what they're saying. Having said that, me personally, I still think that the Panthers got fleeced in this deal. And I will have you know that Justin Snyder completely disagrees with me. He thinks I'm outside of my fucking mind and he wanted to be here. on When he found out this was the topic of today's show, he, he was very upset that he couldn't be here. But he's out working 90 hours a week and he, he's doing everything he can. We're going to work out in it in the future. But don't forget, he will be live and in person. The two of us will be live broadcasting for the draft Mark your calendars, April 29th. We are going to be doing tons of giveaways. We're going to have autographed items. Are we going to maybe have some cash? Are we maybe going to have some merch and swag and all kinds of different things? Tune in to find out. I guarantee you it's going to be big. We're going to give away a lot of things, and we're going to have some amazing things leading up to the draft, which you know we're getting closer and closer every day. But having said that, I truly believe that the Panthers got fleeced in this deal. Um, now, most of that is based on my evaluation of Sam Darnold, and I would love to be wrong. I would love to find out all of a sudden that Sam Darnold just got a really bad situation in New York, and now he's going to turn into uh, Tannehill 2.0. Um, he's going to be somebody who gets out of one franchise and just excels and all of a sudden becomes the guy. <sighs> the point is, I don't necessarily see it happening and especially for for me I still think Teddy Bridgewater can be that guy I think if I am the New York Giants if I am the Denver Broncos I am calling and saying hey put Teddy Bridgewater on the phone on the next plane out I'll send you a second round pick right now now this is where it gets interesting for me because if Carolina is able to flip Teddy Bridgewater for a second round pick, then that means all they really gave up for Sam Darnold was a fourth and a sixth. Because if Teddy was going to ride the bench anyway or he was going to be your backup, you got a chance at Sam Darnold for a fourth and a sixth. That's much more reasonable. However, I don't know if that's going to be the compensation and I don't know how it's going to work out. But, Let's just look at, for a second, 
Teddy Bridgewater, who is fourth in NFL history in career completion percentage. He's 28 years old. He had two years in New Orleans, and he had, you know, a year in Minnesota where he played, you know, basically a, a year's worth of games. So all told, Teddy Bridgewater has really only played about three seasons worth of football. I know he's 28, but he's really only played three seasons worth of football. He was a backup to Drew, and then, you know, he was injured uh, in Minnesota. So three seasons worth of football on a 28-year-old who's the fourth most accurate passer in NFL history, and you instead trade a two, a four, and a six for Sam Darnold. You have to really believe in Sam Darnold. Now listen, I can, you know, put things into perspective. There are teams out there in the NFL that spend millions of dollars on scouting. They spend millions of dollars on analytics and they have guys, you know, probably much smarter than me. Not all of them, you know, there's probably a couple of guys I might be smarter than, but most of them in general are smarter than me. They've been at this longer than me and you know, they have insight that maybe I'm not privy to. So they believe Sam Darnold is the guy, and they went and got their guy and gave up a two, a four, and a six in the process. So how does this affect everybody else? How does this affect the draft, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Well, I'm glad you asked imaginary other side of this conversation. So let's start with Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas is the GM of the much maligned New York Jets. Now, he spent 15 years with the Ravens organization and then ultimately ended up in Philadelphia for three years and then came to the Jets. But he came to the Jets after Adam Gase was hired. It was another one of those backward situations where they hired the head coach and then months later fired the GM and had to go get a new GM. So when Joe Douglas came in, he was already married to Adam Gase. There was nothing he could do. And he might have been counting Adam Gase's days from the second that he got there. So in all fairness, Joe Douglas, you know, wasn't there to put that whole thing together. So but now it's his show. Now he went out and got his head coach Now he's able to construct the team fully the way that he wants to do it. And, um, you know, they have the capital to do it. They've got two first-round picks this year, two first-round picks next year. And we'll see what they do with it. But they, they have the capital to make some noise, especially if they hit on the right quarterback at number two overall, then you're setting your team up for the future. And imagine... An AFC East where all of a sudden you have um, Tua Tungavailoa stepping into what should be a franchise quarterback role. You have Josh Allen who has cemented himself as he is the guy. He's slinging it. Um, And then you get the Jets with whether it's Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, whoever you believe they're going to take all of a sudden becomes a franchise caliber quarterback and then you've got the Patriots which don't count them out don't count them out not only whether it's Cam Newton right now and whatever defense they're able to put together but don't count them out of the quarterback market 
Bill will not go quietly into that long good night. I fucking guarantee it. And any Patriots fan or anyone who has watched football in the last two decades will tell you that. Anyone who thinks they're petty, who thinks they're a petty motherfucker, who thinks that they would really, really just stick it to anybody, has nothing on Bill Belichick. And he is not going to go gently. So you saw what he did in free agency and all of those things. But just imagine if the AFC East really just becomes this slugfest where one team each year is just struggling to get to 9 or 10 wins because everybody's beating the shit out of each other every single year. It'll be some fun football to watch for sure. Um, But I'm interested to see what Joe Douglas does. I think he got a great haul for what would have been his backup quarterback, and now that flips it over to Carolina. So you've got Scott Fitterer, who had 20 years, almost two decades of experience um, in Seattle before uh, coming to Carolina only you know three months ago, and now this is, this is his show. And again, this is a situation where Matt Rule was already there, and now... The head coach inherits the GM, so we'll have to watch that relationship and see how you know that kind of works out. But now the Carolina Panthers have kind of messed with the natural order, so to speak, of where we think the draft might go. So let's just take a look at the draft real quick as it sits right now. You've got the Jacksonville Jaguars at number one. Trevor Lawrence is a slam dunk. That's the number one overall pick. I'm not alone. Everybody thinks it. I mean, it would be wild to see them do something different. Uh, It would be the greatest, greatest bluff in NFL history if the Jaguars went with another quarterback there. But, so the Jags are going Trevor Lawrence. At number two, you have the Jets, which we assume is going to be Zach Wilson. At three, you've got the 49ers, which we've heard everything from Mac Jones to... Uh, Justin Fields. It's basically pick your poison, but we do understand that quarterbacks are going to go one, two, three, right? So then that brings you to number four with the Atlanta Falcons. Now, the Atlanta Falcons have an interesting set of situations because they are already obviously fielding calls for that number four slot because if you want the fourth best quarterback in the draft, you're going to have to come up to four, five, or six. You're going to have to trade with Atlanta, Cincinnati, or Miami. It's not getting past that. Um, So Atlanta's fielding calls. But the interesting situation is even after Matt Ryan restructured his deal, he is still making more than 13% of the cap for his team this year, which if you listen to the Regulators podcast, you know is a big no-no. Shouldn't do that. And then next year, he's supposed to make $48.6 million. So that's that's not going to happen. That can't happen. They're going to keep trying to push his money out. They're going to have to put phantom void years out for a couple of years, hoping that the big TV money's coming in, everything will be fine, the salary cap will go up, and they'll just have to eat some dead money and they'll learn to live with it. But having said that, unless Matt Ryan wants to be a generous guy and take a massive pay cut, which I don't understand why he would, he shouldn't, the Atlanta Falcons need to have a succession plan. Now, that doesn't mean they have to take a quarterback at four, especially 
if there's somebody that they don't love. Maybe they take a quarterback in the second round. Maybe they trade back with somebody. Maybe there's somebody who really wants, after the Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, maybe somebody wants Trey Lance. Maybe somebody wants Mac Jones, and they're willing to come up for it. Then Atlanta could potentially move. But now, Carolina at eight is no longer a threat to draft a quarterback. And they have supposedly put out there that, oh, no, you know, we're still open to taking a quarterback at eight. Yeah, of course you're going to say that because you want everybody to be scared that you might and then maybe offer you something for that position to not take that quarterback or take that person, whatever. Um, That's just smoke putting out there. But if Carolina gave up a two and a four and a six for for Sam Darnold, and then they drafted, I don't know, let's call it Trey Lance at eight overall, then I don't know what the fuck they're doing there. And I mean, again, you know, this is multi-billion dollar organization. Maybe they know something I don't, but I just don't buy that. The same way I don't buy that Andy Dalton will be QB1 on opening fucking day for the Chicago Bears. I'm sorry. Listen, I'm sure a lot of Chicago Bears fans want to say it out loud, but they were hoping for Watson. They were hoping for something big, and they got Andy Dalton. And I don't believe that the Chicago Bears organization is not trying everything in their power to get better than Andy Dalton. I think they are on it. I think they are working the phones. I think something could happen on draft day. I mean, nobody saw Mitch Trubisky coming. That came out of left field. And even though maybe you weren't satisfied with the results of Mitch Trubisky, the point is you never know who's going to come up, who's going to make a splash. So hang in there, Bears fans. I don't believe Andy Dalton is your day one starter. And the only thing I can say is if he does, well, then you're probably guaranteed a top five pick for the following year and maybe that's when you get your quarterback or maybe you package something together to get up to number one if you're not there already so having said that it'll get interesting with Atlanta because we've never seen one two three four quarterbacks go off the board like that it's never happened so that means at five you've got Cincinnati who either should do the right thing and take the best tackle, the best offensive lineman that they have on the board because I'm not going to keep beating a dead horse about what they did to Joe Burrow last year, but they need a lot of help. Or they slide down because somebody really wants to come up for Kyle Pitts. Somebody really wants to come up for Jamar Chase. And after that, you've got Miami, Detroit, and Carolina who are all sitting there primed to take an amazing skilled player that's falling to them at 6, 7, and 8 because the first four or five picks were so quarterback heavy in the draft. So I think it's going to be really interesting to watch what Atlanta does. If they stay, if they take a pick, if they trade out and someone wants to come up for that quarterback. But we know that it's not going to be Carolina. Carolina is no longer jumping from 8 to 6 or 8 to 5. That's not going to happen. Is it going to be Denver? I don't know. I feel like, again, Denver and the New York Giants, I think they're both in this similar situation with Drew Locke and uh, with Daniel Jones. I'm not saying that 
both of those guys are confirmed busts, but I'm sure both organizations are looking very deep into what they think they have and what they think their available options might be. Right behind them, you have Dallas at 10, who obviously has their quarterback situation shown up, sewn up. The Giants are at 11. The Eagles are now back at 12. So they have the opportunity to add some pieces to what we think will be a Jalen Hurts-led team, and there's no reason to think otherwise. 13, you have the Chargers. 14 is the Minnesota Vikings. And then 15 is the New England Patriots. So this is another one to watch. The Pats are at 15. So every year, there's somebody who falls in the draft. We never know who it's going to be, and the teams make certain that we never know who it's going to be because there's so much smoke, there's so much bullshit that goes out there that everybody's high on this guy and everyone's talking about it. So everyone has him top five in their mock drafts, and then he falls to 12 or 15 or 19, and it's like, was he really that good and he fell for no apparent reason? Or was everybody blowing smoke and he was really... It's always going to go between 15 and 20. So having said that, New England will have an opportunity, whether it's a Mac Jones, whether it's a Kyle Trask, whether it's you know somebody that they believe can be a quarterback for them in their system. And I, I'm sure some people are saying, oh, Mac Jones is going off the board at three to San Francisco. It's a very big possibility, but somebody will fall. Remember Aaron Rodgers? Remember how that whole thing went down? Somebody is going to fall, and we don't know who it is. So at 15, the New England Patriots are sitting there. You know how often it is that the New England Patriots are picking that high with their own pick? Doesn't happen very often. So... They have an opportunity to get somebody if they want to at that quarterback position, or Bill could stick to his old schemes and he could trade down four or five spots, pick up a one for next year, then do that again, or trade out of the first round completely. But I don't think uh, it's business as usual in New England right now. So anything's possible, including New England packaging pick number 15, coming up to four with the Atlanta Falcons and throwing in some extra stuff just to make it all gravy and work out a deal. A lot of people would say, well, that's not the Patriot style. That's not what they do. Well, do they ever sign the highest free agents? Do they ever sign the record amount of free agents in the first week of free agency? Do they go sign the top two free agent targets in free agency? No, they don't do any of that shit either. So don't be so sure. I get it. I, I understand the the typical nature of New England Patriots business, but all things are on the table this year. So that'll be one to keep an eye on on draft night. Now, number 16, you have the Arizona Cardinals, and then 17 is Vegas. I feel like no one is talking about Vegas recently because originally... There was all this talk about, is Derek Carr on the move? Is is he possibly done with the Raiders? And could they move him? What could they acquire him for? And all these questions, because everyone loves their hypothetical bullshit. Now it's quiet. 
Why is it quiet? Why did it get so hot and then now all of a sudden no one's talking about it? Is he still somebody that the Raiders could package? Could they look to move on? Could they look to move up? All things are possible, but I find it interesting that that conversation has gotten really quiet all of a sudden. Um, And number 18, look who's on the clock again, the Miami Dolphins. So this is your first example of a team that is going to benefit from all of the quarterbacks going heavy in the beginning because they don't need a quarterback, and then having skill players or having other players that maybe wouldn't have been at 18, maybe they would have been gone at 14 or 12 or something, but they've fallen in the draft because of the way that the draft has worked itself out. So Miami is going to have a lot of great options at 18. And then you've got Washington at 19, who they got Ryan Fitzpatrick as their presumed uh, starter. They extended Taylor Henneke, and he's going to be around for a while. So I think Washington is is kind of set. I don't see them going quarterback. Um, and that brings us to 20, which is the Chicago Bears. Who's available at 20? Or who's available at 15? Here's a perfect spot where maybe the Patriots, if they don't see a quarterback they like, or they don't see what they want, they trade back to twenty with the Chic- or yeah, twenty with the Chicago Bears, and the Bears move up to fifteen and they take whatever quarterback they feel is a good fit for them, and maybe that's your person who isn't your day one starter, but maybe they're going to learn behind Andy Dalton. Maybe it's someone who needs a, a little bit of uh, sitting and learning with a clipboard, which I'm a big advocate for. And then they'll get their shot. But at least Chicago will have a quarterback that they feel they can groom for the future. Then you've got Indy at 22, or 21, I'm sorry. And the Titans at 22. You've got the Jets again on the board at 23. So this is the second of those teams we talked about. So the Jets are going to take their quarterback at two overall. And then now they get to play again in the first round at 23. So then you've got the Steelers at 24, and the Steelers need to be thinking quarterback. We talked about Matt Ryan and the Falcons. Where's the succession plan for the Pittsburgh Steelers? We saw Duck Hodges. We saw, you know, what the Steelers were trying to do with their backup quarterbacks and seeing if any of those guys might show flashes and and maybe be able to take the helm from Big Ben when he retires. But Steelers have to be thinking quarterback. And if they think there is a guy in this draft who can sit behind Big Ben for a year and learn and learn exactly how to do things the Steeler way, they have to be thinking about it. They have to be thinking about it this year, right now. Don't wait till it's too late. Go get you a guy who can succeed Big Ben. And then, oh, look. We have the Jaguars on the board again at 25. They've now got Trevor Lawrence. What else do they need? And they need a lot. They need a lot. They've got, thankfully, a lot of draft capital, and they've got a lot of money to spend uh, with the cap space both this year and next year. So Jaguars are going to have some decisions to make, and they really can't go wrong because they need so many people that 
this could really be a BPA pick for the Jaguars at 25. Then at 26, you have the Browns. And right behind them, their division opponents, Baltimore at 27. 28, you have the Saints. Are they set at quarterback? I guess so. Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. That's that's their narrative right now. So we'll see how that plays out. 29, you have the Packers. 30, you have the Bills. 31, you have the Chiefs. And 32, you have the Buccaneers. So all of those teams at, you know, let's call it 27, 26. Yeah, let's say 26 on. And technically 25 if you include the Jaguars because they're about to take Trevor Lawrence. So from 25 to 32, all of those teams have their quarterback situation figured out. So if you're looking to trade back up into the first round, that's where you target. You start at 25, and then you look all the way through there, and you see who's going to offer you the best deal. You trade back into that first round. You get a fifth-year option on whatever player you draft, and then maybe that person's a quarterback. Maybe that person's uh, a skill player that you don't think is going to be available in day two, and you want to get that fifth-year option on that person. So that's going to be the range where you're going to see, I think, somebody somebody will trade back up into that day one uh, end of the first round draft. Now, the Rams, the Seahawks, and the Texans have no first round picks. So we talked about the Jets having multiple first rounds in the next two drafts. They have four. Uh, The Dolphins have two first round picks this year. Houston has no first round picks this year or next year. So that was one of the things we talked about as offseason began was new GM, new coach going into a situation where you don't have first round picks for the next couple of years. Not exactly an ideal situation to step into. Speaking of Houston, I will say, yes, I read your messages. Yes, I read your comments. I've heard everything you've asked about the Deshaun Watson situation. I just personally, again, if you listen to the show, I'm not going to get into it. There's a lot of human beings involved in the situation surrounding Deshaun Watson, including Deshaun Watson, including um, the people who have filed the lawsuit and everything else like that. And until everything is said and done, I am not going to get into those TMZ conversations. If it's football related, if something happens with him, if he is suspended or if he's traded or if he's, you know, anything that happens relating to that, if he's going to hold out and he doesn't want to play for the Texans, then of course I'm here to talk about it. But all the other stuff, it's serious situation. And once the dust settles and everything, We'll talk about some of those things, but for now, we're going to completely stay out of that. And I assure you, there are plenty of talking heads and and plenty of other places that will talk about it if you want to go listen to it somewhere else. No hard feelings. That's just not really what we do here on this show. But let's, you know, round out everything with, with the upcoming draft. So Denver had traded up. 10 spots from 52 to 42 to go get Drew Locke. And that is one of the reasons why I'm not so sure that they would give up on him just because of them trading up to get him. 
but Mitch Trubisky is already gone. Um, you know, there's there's similar situations with Daniel Jones. He was the sixth overall pick. But again, as GMs change, as head coaches change, as situations change, sometimes you have to cut your losses. And I think that it's going to be really telling. I was I was very surprised with the Carolina trade because I really thought that Teddy Bridgewater was going to get a chance to come back and show what he can do, mainly because Matt Rule was there when they gave him that contract. Like, your head coach was there and said, yep, this is the guy. Okay, let's go. And then we're less than 12 months removed from that situation, and now you're giving up multiple picks to go get a guy who hasn't proven he can do anything. And that's not to say that he can't. Listen, I am an equal opportunity uh, positive thinker. I I wish they could all win the Super Bowl and everybody could be great. And I hope that Sam Darnold proves me wrong. It's not that I think the guy's a bum. He definitely got a bad rap in New York, but I just don't see it. And again, I don't get paid millions of dollars to do this, but I just don't see it. I could be wrong. We'll we'll find out. Um, but you know how this whole thing plays out remains to be seen. It's going to be really exciting on draft day for sure, and I want to see which organizations are ready to make that Sam Darnold type move. Like, hey, listen, we're we're cutting bait. That's it. We're moving on. Obviously, the Panthers are with Teddy Bridgewater, and again. I, I would be trying to acquire Teddy Bridgewater with the quickness if I didn't have a secured quarterback at the helm. That's just my opinion. Everybody else do what they want. So I'm sure you guys are aware that we do a lot of giveaways on this show. We've given away cash. We've given away jerseys. We've given away signed jerseys. We've given away um team banners we've given away all kinds of stuff we do a lot of giveaways and uh, the one that we're doing this way is a pop figure so we have a bunch of nfl pop figures available and we've been asking you guys to uh, retweet one of our contest things that we had out there on twitter if you're not following us on twitter you're missing out on all these giveaways so it's at regulators pod on twitter sign up for twitter get one today I, I promise you, you will be very happy that you did, um, especially we, we do a lot of live uh, sessions where we go live. We may do one uh, today, if not today, definitely this week, where we just randomly jump on and talk shop with you guys, invite you to ask questions in Twitter live spaces, and uh, just talk football because that's what we're here to do. But having said all of that, It is time to do another giveaway. So we are going to do a giveaway right now for an NFL pop figure. So let me get the computer screen up here where I have painstakingly put about 110 different names into this random wheel spinner that we have here. And we are going to give this bad boy a spin.
And that is the sound of our winner. Our winner is at McCartney5592. So at McCartney5592, you are the winner of our NFL Pop Figurine Contest. Now, I hope if you've been listening this long, you don't just uh, stop listening to us if you found out you didn't win. Because I assure you, we will have lots of more contest coming up and i'd like to think that you come for the content you know maybe you come for the contest stay for the content however it works out we appreciate you and we'd love it if you continue to listen so having said that let's move on lots more giveaways coming especially for the draft episode do not miss that set your notifications make sure you're following us that is going to be lit and i'm so excited to announce all the giveaways and all the things we're going to have but i'm keeping it a secret for right now um until i have everything all together but let's move on so one of the things that i find really interesting during all of this is the evaluation process that a lot of the draft analysts go through a lot of the Uh, beat writers go through and just some of the things that we put importance on and the narratives that surround certain players so i'll give you an example justin fields before the national championship game was oh my god this guy is so good he could be a top three pick this is going to be amazing he's just a baller look at the way he's slinging the football everything's amazing and then all of a sudden In the past week or so, he started getting faded. And now all of a sudden, Mac Jones jumped up to the top, and now Trey Lance maybe, and all of a sudden, Justin Fields is the fourth quarterback taken, maybe not even. Um, It's interesting to me, and again, look, every year, somebody takes a Mitch Trubisky, somebody takes a Russell Wilson in the third round. Every year, somebody takes a Lamar Jackson at the end of the first round. Every year, somebody takes a Ryan Leaf. Like, these things happen. Like, so I'm not acting holier than thou that I know which quarterback is going to work out. I'm just saying it's very interesting to see the ways that we use to determine who is going to be a good quarterback in the NFL. Perfect example is the height, right? Drew Brees was too small. Kyler Murray was too small. None of these guys were going to be big enough to make it in the NFL. And, you know, even even Montana and some of these other guys, you know, they were just, they were too small. It wasn't going to work out. Um, and another thing that, gets mentioned with those measurables is arm length so especially when you're talking about linemen everything comes down to arm length oh you know he's he's got a shorter arm length and uh i was having a conversation with smart james you may be familiar if you've jumped on our live spaces or heard our podcast before just uh a a great contributor that we talk a lot about stats and stuff And he referred me to a PFF article, which I have a love-hate relationship with them. They do really good work, and they try really hard. Some of their stuff, I think, is disingenuous a little bit. Not their data, per se, but just some of the narratives of the way that certain tweets or articles are 
proposed. But I do appreciate all the hard work that goes into their data and, and everything that they compile over there. So one of the things that I got sent by Smart James was a PFF article that shows a scatter plot and a bunch of data and a bunch of other charts that shows whether or not there's any correlation between arm length and pass blocking ability, run blocking ability, um, and anything, any stats like that. All the PFF grades matched with their arm length and done over snaps and the rates of snaps and all kinds of different things. And the general answer is no. There is zero correlation between arm length and success in the NFL. But people want that extra thing to push them over the edge. If they're between two guys and they're like, yeah, I like this guy, oh, I like this guy, ah, but he's got two-inch longer arms, that's going to help him. Pick this guy. It's, it's just something in their brains that they want because they're not able to decipher anything else other than those measurables. Now, obviously, if some guy is just a Chase Young type prospect and he's a beast and everything else and you're comparing him to a guy that could barely stay on the field, it's a totally different situation. But when you're comparing relatively close guys, in my opinion, they use those measurables as a cheat because you really don't know. You might as well flip a fucking coin because the arm length isn't going to tell you anything. There is no correlation between the arm length and your success. So that's just something I found interesting. I mean, all the different things we measure, I'm honestly really surprised we don't just measure their Johnsons. Like, you know, you're measuring everything else at the combine. Uh, this guy's a little bit too big down there. It's going to throw off his balance. And, you know, if he tries to hurdle somebody, it just it, it won't it won't end well. There's too much weight down there. You got to be in that perfect uh, spectrum of, of weight and length and stuff like that. I mean, that's how ridiculous I think some of that stuff goes. But one of the other things that I think comes up often in the evaluation process, and as soon as I say this, you're going to know that you've heard analysts say this, and I hate it. I absolutely hate when I hear this. But you're going to hear an analyst say, well, the reason people love him is because he's been a winner everywhere he's gone. He won the national championship in high school. He won the national championship in college. He is just a winner, and that's what he does. That is one of the dumbest fucking arguments I have ever heard in my life. And here's why. Since 1978, no quarterback who has won the national championship of college football has won a Super Bowl. I'm going to say that again. In the last 50 plus years, if you won the national championship in college as a quarterback, you did not win a Super Bowl. The last to do it was Montana who won the uh, college national championship in 77 with Notre Dame. And the last one before that, the only other one, was Joe Namath in 1964. So when you talk about he's a winner everywhere he goes, this guy just won in high school, won in college, 
We're not in high school or college anymore. If you were, Tim Tebow would be the greatest fucking quarterback that ever played in the NFL. But it don't work that way. So, it's a bullshit argument. When someone tells you he's a winner everywhere he goes, ask them, when was the last time that someone who won the college football national championship won a Super Bowl? All wait. And then you wait as they have that blank fucking stare, that expression on their face as they try to come up with someone and they're like, oh, I think it was 90. Nope. Nope. So miss me with that shit. And here's another one. Do you know how many quarterbacks who have won the Heisman have won the Super Bowl? One. His name was Jim Plunkett. 19 fucking 70, dude. Stop with this 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 imaginary bullshit. Just say I don't know. Say, I don't know who's going to be good, but I really like this guy. He either played for my alma mater or he was one of the only four teams that I had time to watch this year and I watched his tape and I like him a lot. That's fine. That's that's a fine argument. It's opinions. That's all this is, is it's opinion. There's professional opinions, amateur opinions. They're just opinions. But miss me with these bullshit arguments of, oh, you know, he's a Heisman winner, you know, he's a national champion in high school and college. Well, then statistically, that means he's not going to do dick. So, having said all of that, I want to thank you all for joining us. I want to thank you all for being part of one year worth of the regulators. And I promise you, we have amazing amazing things coming up for the draft i know i just keep teasing it and teasing it but i'm like stupid fucking excited like i'm spending my own money on a lot of stuff for the draft and we are going to give it back to you we are going to have things for every team we are going to have things for you know everybody's you know kind of likes if you notice i've been putting some polls out there on twitter i've been asking you guys What jerseys would you like? What players would you like? What type of things would you like to see in giveaways? If you're not in those comments and you're not suggesting things that you would like to see given away, then don't complain when there's not something in there for you. But I think there will be something in there for you because we're going to give away some good shit. We're going to hook the people up because that's what it's about. You guys make this show go round. You guys Make me able to do something that I fucking love. And the best part of it all, J-Man's going to be there. And nobody has ever outmocked the J-Man. I know it sounds insane, but nobody beats him. He's like the Wiz. Nobody beats him. So, stay tuned. Hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Next week we'll have another one. Every Wednesday at 6 a.m. these podcasts drop. In the meantime... Find us on the Twitter streets at Regulators Pod, and you can also always go to www.regulatorspod.com where you will find all of the breakdowns that J-Man has already done on the quarterback position, the wide receiver position, the tight end position, the running backs, and today the offensive linemen will also be added. So starting to completely round out the offensive side of the ball, which means defense is on deck. 
So thank you as always for joining us. I really appreciate it. Hope you guys have a great week. Please share the podcast. If everybody listening just sent it to one friend, it would mean the world to us. And any reviews that you leave us, obviously, I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. And uh, we'll catch you guys on the Twitter streets. Peace! Regulator!